Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, and we have a very, very intriguing show lined up for you today. Uh, now that we are full uh, scale into fall now, today it's very cool outside. It feels great. Um, everybody's talking football. Everybody's talking about what's going to be going on with the Tennessee Vols. But more importantly than that, a lot of people are talking about what they're going to do with their home, what's going on with their home. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening from a geopolitical standpoint. For those of you who are listening to the show, the podcast, maybe the debate was not last night, but we here had the unfortunate pleasure of hearing it just last night. <laughs> but, you know, so there's a lot of stuff going on with um, politics. And, you know, we wanted to bring in the experts so that we can look on what's on the horizon, what's going on and what's going to be going on in the near future. And with our expert for today, we have, and Mark, I tell you, these are the experts. We had Kim Miller with ArchMI with us not too long ago. Yes, yeah, a couple months ago. And today, she even mentioned on the show, I think, that she wanted to get her expert, Ralph DeFranco, who is in studio, not in studio, but he's called in to the studio, and he's going to be our guest today. And I tell you what, we have him uh, because we want the best of the best. And let me just introduce him for you. Um, Ralph is the Global Chief Economist for Arch Capital Services. He's the author of the ArchMI Housing and Mortgage Market Review, better known as Hammer, I think it's well known as. Um, it's a quarterly, quarterly analysis of current economic and housing data on the national, state, and MSA levels, which is attracting a lot of attention in the media. The fall edition comes out today, and that is exciting because I have my hands on it. And we want to talk about that. And uh, he makes the case for a supply shortage, which will continue to propel home prices upwards. And that's a good thing for all that are listening. So first, Ralph, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Absolutely. And we also have Kim as well. She decided to stop by. So Kim, thank you as well. Sure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's just get down to it first and foremost, because you know one of the things that we have that has been a continuing theme is that people you know, talk about, well, hey, you know, what's going on with rates? How is that going to be for me when I go to buy? Is there going to be a housing bu a bubble? You know, there's just a lot of people that are thinking about all of these things. Now, we at Mortgage Investors Group have been the benefactor of low interest rates, rising home prices, but certainly you do not want that to become a bubble. So I think what's on everybody's mind uh, Ralph, is do you foresee another real estate bubble? Uh, no, we're, we're not in one right now. So it's still an excellent time to purchase a home, especially with, with record low interest rates or near record lows. I mean, the 30-year the, the, the fixed rate is still only 3.5%, which is, which is astoundingly low. It's, mm -hmm. It can only go up from here. So, so people on the fence, and if they're able to uh, purchase and it's the right time in their life, they really are making a mistake by not buying right now. The um, one thing we do on our website is we look at whether home prices are overvalued or undervalued relative to historical averages. 
And for Tennessee, as well as for the U.S., the answer is no. They're not home values are about what you would expect. They're about their average level of prices to incomes. And that gives me a lot of comfort uh, because not only are, uh, does that not even account for the fact that we have low interest rates, but also we have a growing housing shortage, and that's only going to push prices up from here in my mind. So, so I've been I've been thinking a lot about it. And to me, from the fundamentals, they're sufficiently strong. Uh, we're, we're seeing we have a growing population. Tennessee is growing uh, about 0.2% um, a year, so so good decent uh, population growth and. They're not building enough to house the, the, the growing population. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm uh, think you know, there's negatives, there's positives. On balance, I would say we're in for some, some decent home price growth. Hey, Ralph, this is Mark. Um, I was just curious uh, to follow up on the uh, bubble question. I know, like in Tennessee, Nashville is hot. So I know that right. we have pockets in the country that may be overzealous, maybe. It, it, do you see any bubbles occurring in individual markets? Maybe not sure. overall, but individual. Yeah, great question, Mark. Yes. So I have thought about Nashville. It is. It has. The word is out. It has been discovered. There's a lot of people moving there, but that's because it's it's uh, it's such a great city. It's uh, it's it's been discovered by millennials, just like the, uh, they used to want to go to Portland or uh, and things like uh, Seattle, those kind of places. Now they also want to move to Austin or, or Nashville or, or uh, New York City. You know, there's, a, there's some cities that are just hot, and when you're hot, you're hot. And so it's, it's it, home prices there grew 10% last year, which is amazing, way above the, you know, double the national average. But I don't see that as any kind of sign of a bubble. That's, that's based on the fundamentals. There's, there's, there's a lot of people moving to Nashville. The, uh, there's, the vacancy rate is record low, so that means that companies – or even having trouble finding office space. So there, that means um, we're going to see more construction. There's going to be more office construction, more uh, housing construction. So I, I think we're only in the second or third inning. I think it's still going to continue to grow. I'll tell you another city, I don't know that many people are talking about it, but we certainly hear about it, is a little city here in uh, East Tennessee called Wartburg. That's really hot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Nashville's hot. Obviously, they're, the more population that you already have in you know before this rising economy and this rising housing market i would say that the chances and the percentage of that growing faster than than knoxville are, are high so you know we don't want to see what happened in 2008 right. like in miami or in las vegas or in new york or in la you know and that's the wonderful thing and um ralph i mean we always have been so blessed in this Tennessee market because although we don't see the huge climbs that you might see in some of the other you know hotter markets we also don't see the deep declines when things do change so for a homeowner that's got to be sort of attractive I would say wouldn't you oh absolutely low volatility so I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and we're we're, we're overly concentrated in a single industry compared yeah. to most cities and so when tech goes down the city goes down bad the other thing is we're more space constrained than, than a lot of areas right? True. in the middle of the country. And so areas that are more space constrained are more prone to bubbles because in the short mm. term, the uh, supply is, is very constrained. So it's very inelastic uh, uh, supply in areas where we're already butt up on the ocean and the mountains. There's, 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 there's a little buildable lots, whereas some areas, uh, you know, there's still, there's still, you can still get a reasonable commute, say, in Memphis, 
uh, in from, from an outer area. So the, the, the I mean, it's harder to get buildable lots, of course, but it's not impossible like it is in some cities. And so that inherently makes it a less volatile. So, so that, that you know, terms terms of risk of, of uh, home price declines, it's much less in uh, Tennessee than it is in, say, New York City or San Francisco. Well, you, I, I think that you're all about the numbers and, you know, the probability factor. And this is a little side note, certainly. But everybody, when you look at a major league pitcher, for instance, you know, he has an ERA or you have a major league hitter, he has a batting average, you know, how often do they hit a home run? There's all kinds of statistics about that. You know, for instance, that guy last night who hit a home run only hits a home run every 297 at bats, but his friend just died. His name was, if you recall, the guy in Miami and he hit a home run last night, first home run of the year. So with, with statistics in mind, and these probabilities, and how often do things happen. In your Hammer report, don't you have sort of a chart or, or print something about the probability of um, your city's decline potential? We, we do. So, so we, we have a regression model, statistical-based model. It's called the risk index, the ArcGMI risk index. And it's available. You don't even need to subscribe. You just go to ArcGMI.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, can, you can look under the economic section. There's... Um, uh, for 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 the the different big, major cities in Tennessee, so there's about ten cities, and then for the state overall, if you're in more rural area, mm-hmm. we can and, see what Wartburg is doing. <laughs> and well, right now, right now the entire state is is minuscule risk. So so we're, we're trying to measure what the what the model tries to measure is the probability that home prices will be lower in two years. Yeah. And the answer is it's, it's tiny. It's like two or three percent, which is as low as it gets in the model right now across the state and that, that's half the national average which and the national average is, is less than half of the, the historical average so can I ask so you a silly quick. question that's sort of um, a quick one in 2007 were some of these models mm. sort of forecasting a decline oh absolutely they were yeah. uh, we were we were on the cover of USA Today 2005 signaling problems in uh, excellent Wow, in, in, in uh, Florida and California, yeah, we were we were uh, we, we um, yeah because what it does is it looks at things like how out of whack are home prices relative to incomes, mm. and even in two thousand five and six, you could see that that they were skyrocketing, whereas incomes were just growing at small levels, you know, two three percent a year, and home prices were going up ten percent or fifteen percent a year. It doesn't eventually you can't afford the new new new. Uh, First-time homebuyers won't be able to afford to get in, and eventually the music stops and the psychology changes, right? Um, right. But we're not in that. We're not in that situation today. That's okay. awesome, and that's good to know because you know Mark has a lot of history. He loves history, and his point um, in a lot of his you know blogs that he's written, um, for instance, the liquidity factor that you can find on the Housing Hour is that in order to know what is going to happen in the future, mm-hmm. you really should look at our past and the history. And so history seems to repeat itself sometimes, doesn't it? Absolutely. One of the things uh, I noticed from looking at the history recently is the question of what happens when interest rates will, will go up, because they really uh, have been unusually suppressed in the U.S., and yeah. they they're naturally will be tending back up once there's not a, some new crisis overseas pushing them down, which is why it's been uh, unusually low lately, thanks, mm-hmm. with, thanks to Brexit. But the... Um, if you look back in the historical record, the uh, previous times where interest rates went up, say, 1% or 1.5%, it really didn't kill the housing market. It, it just slowed down home price growth, 
and it slowed down sales temporarily by five or ten percent for for like six months or not or a year. Mm. So it's not it's not the killer uh, boogeyman that people should be you know uh, yeah. afraid of. Really, the story for housing is: Do you have a job, and can you do you feel confident that you're going to continue to make enough money to, to pay that mortgage? If the answer is yes, then that's what drives housing. Not not worrying about whether rates are three and a half or four and a half or five percent. Yeah, and we're, I definitely want to dip into the rates in the next segment because we we want to you know kind of signal to people who are listening what to expect, and obviously. You know, the disclaimer is we don't know exactly what could happen or what might happen. This is just what the statistics tell us, what history has told us and things of that nature. So for those of you who are listening, we do want to tell you because we have on the line with us Ralph DeFranco. He's with ArchMI. He is their uh, global chief economist for Arch Capital Services, rather, excuse me. And he's the author of the ArchMI Housing and Mortgage Market Review. And we're so grateful for him taking some time to spend with us. Um, And we're so thankful for Kim getting us connected with him. And we see Kim a lot because she does a lot of good things for mortgage companies in Knoxville. And we're certainly grateful for that. Um, And and we're going to put that uh, hammer report on the housinghour.com. Can we do that? Oh, good. Yeah, I got permission to do that. Awesome. That's fantastic. So also, um, we're going to go to a break and come back with Ralph in a moment. But I did want to tell you all, before we go to break, how to connect with us. And that is, um, number one, you can go to the mothership. It's thehousinghour.com that has all of our information. You can also go to facebook.com slash thehousinghour and on Twitter at thehousinghour. Uh, We'd love for you to connect and interact with us. And we want to continue this conversation with Ralph right after these messages right here on The Housing Hour. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back into the Housing Hour. Wonderful song. Thank you guys for joining us. We're grateful for the opportunity. Thankful to be here with you. Wherever you're listening, we just thank you. So we're continuing today on our conversation with uh, Ralph DeFranco, um, the chief global. I've forgotten his title already. But what he really is doing for us is giving us an insider's look at what's going on. He's the global chief economist for Arch Capital Services. And he also produces and publishes a great um, piece of material called the ArchMI Housing and Mortgage Market Review. And that is going to be posted to our website. His most current one, the fall edition, um, is just being released today. So we have um, a great opportunity here to talk with the author of that um, today. And uh, Mark, you had a great question that you were thinking about. Well, yeah, Ralph, um, Kevin loves to bring up my age. And I've been in the business for a long time. Um, I got into the business in the 80s. And every time we come out of a, a little recession and the rates go down and we start to have, you know, great activity, then the rates pop up pretty quickly. And this one, we've been extended so long. You touched on it just a little bit uh, a minute ago. But let's go back to why are the rates still so low because we're, we're not complaining busiest. about it. We're not complaining, <laughs> but it's we're at the busiest level that we've been since 2003. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So, 
it, it, I, I think a lot of people will look back and wish they had gotten a refinance or, or, or went ahead and made their purchase with, with these rates so low. We may never see them at this low again. So the U.S. unemployment rate is, is, is very low, 4.9%. That would normally mean we would have much higher interest rates than we have right now. And so the Federal Reserve has uh, stated their, their intention to raise rates, but they have been measured and, and slow about uh, starting that process. They've just done one quarter point raise so far because there's so much trouble overseas. So uh, globally, the U.S. is, is uh, stronger economically than, than most of our training partners. So the Europe is, is, is uh, overall uh, fairly weak. Brazil's in recession, and so on. So we're uh, so what happens is is money goes around the globe looking for for the highest uh, return, and so it's almost like a global interest rate. And so our interest rates have been pulled down by European investors, Japanese investors, Brazilian investors looking for a safe haven for their cash, and that uh, is, is good news for us. We've got lower interest rates and can benefit from. Uh, cheaper auto loans and, and home loans and so on. But the uh, the good times on that front can't last forever. Uh, there is growth overseas. It's not, it's not a global recession. It's just, it's just unusually it's just hit a weak patch. And as uh, things eventually turn to normal, uh, maybe 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 gradual or maybe, maybe quick, nobody really knows how fast those rates are going to come back up. But the trajectory is upwards unless we're hit with some massive, uh, you know, uh, blue or black swan event. So some, that's what the economists call some some unexpected catastrophe. You know, then then rates can stay low or even fall. But that's that would be that's sort of a low, very low likelihood. The likelihood is that they're going to be heading up. Um, we have in the mortgage industry always had sort of an interesting relationship with economic news because. When things tend to be going really, really well, you know, you know, for instance, jobs are being created, low unemployment, and we, you know, the economy is booming, you know, GDP is, you know, five, six percent, whatever the case is, that tends to mean that rates historically are a little higher. You know, for us, being that, you know, we are in business to do mortgage loans, it's always been very, very um, kind of interesting because when things are not great and things are not going well then that usually meant that we were doing more business you know it's kind of a very difficult position to be <laughs> in sometimes but with that being said we all have an important role to play um, you know and there's a lot of people listening to Ralph that might be saying well why does what's happening over in Europe this brexit this this all of this EU stuff and maybe you answered this, but give us uh, maybe your overview. Why does that affect what's happening right here at home? And I know it has something to do also, of course, with, uh, with the foreign buyers, which was sort of down on my sheet. But um, mm -hmm. can you give us the overview of that? Well, sure. It has to do with investors. So <clears throat> if, you're, uh, if you put your money in a pension plan or a 401K or a mutual fund in Europe or Japan, the man, money manager for that fund has to decide what to do with it to get a return. Well, government bonds in Germany and, and uh, Japan are, may have zero or negative rates versus 2 3% for U.S. Treasury rates. Well, that's kind of a no-brainer. I'd rather take the exchange rate risk, go ahead and buy an American Treasury bond, uh, 
it because it has at least it's got a positive return on it. Mm. And so foreign money is coming into the U.S. because we have higher interest rates than they do. They have unusually low interest rates because their central banks are trying to stimulate their economy. Those central banks will eventually succeed, at which point they will cut back on their stimulus and there will be less money coming here. And so our rates will be okay. moving up. That makes sense. That makes sense. And another thing that people sometimes wonder, and me being one of them, is um, when there are individuals out there and they they happen they happen to you know invest all of their money, whether that be if they're investing it in stocks, what happens is it, it tends to take money out of the safe markets, which you just spoke of. So when the stock market is going up, that tends to mean that the bond market or the mortgage-backed securities is is going well down, to put it in layman's terms. So rates would, would not be affected in a positive way. Um, so there's that change too. So is that also that also happens in the United States, and that same thing is happening across the world, correct? Well, we certainly uh, – what happens is bonds are a strange asset because when there's higher demand, the price goes up. That's not strange. But the, the weird thing is that means the interest rate goes down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so because, because they, they guarantee to pay a fixed amount of money. And so the mm -hmm. only way you, it can be more valuable is if it pay, pays less, less um, uh, lower interest rate. And so that uh, that is uh, basically there's a supply and demand in, uh, for money. That's mm -hmm. what interest rates are basically telling us. And there is government intervention around the globe to try to drive down that that uh, interest rate. So they've, they've been creating their own demand by just buying up all the bonds we can get their hands on. And so they've been driving up the price, meaning they've been driving down the interest rate, but that's a uh, temporary. Their intention is to back off that once their uh, employment grows. And we've been, we have good employment in the U.S. I mean, it may not feel like it to everybody, but uh, we're, we're actually a little bit below historical average unemployment rates right now. Yeah. And uh, the uh, you know so so our our interest rates should should really be higher right now. They've been artificially suppressed. Some people call it financial repression. It's a sort of uh, a very negative term, meaning like the governments are, are actively messing with the the interest rate markets, which they are, and, and that is not uh, healthy in the long run. And they know that, and they they want to step back from that. They just uh, they also want to see some more job creation mm -hmm. overseas first. Go ahead, Mark. Well, I was just going to ask you, as far as the stock market, there was reference to it last night and in the debate, and there's always this. Is the stock market in a little bubble? Um, do you see a correction coming, and how would that affect our rates? You know, I'm not a licensed financial advisor, so it would be dangerous for me to, 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 to give people advice. He's trying to get stock <laughs> advice from <laughs> you. The, uh, you know, the markets go up and down. I can't tell you if we're due for a correction. It is, they are uh, above historic levels. So mm -hmm. like I'm saying, but basically I started by saying housing's about normal prices. It's, they're, they're actually fair value or, or, or uh, undervalued. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not really true with stocks. Stocks and bonds both are, are uh, expensive relative to historical averages. Yeah. And so that usually that usually doesn't end well, but calling the timing of it is, is difficult, as you, yeah. you, you alluded to. Mark, we, Mark yeah. needs to get his Chinese candlesticks out <laughs> and see if he can't figure this out. Um, well, we're here with Ralph DeFranco, and we certainly appreciate his time. Uh, we have him here on the Housing Hour with us. We're going to have another segment with him in just a moment, um, and we just want to thank him so much for coming in. He, uh, Ralph is a Ph.D., an economist. 
He knows a little bit about everything. It really is a good information. It helps me really to put it in layman's terms. And he's also the global chief economist for Arch Capital Services. So um, hang out with us. We're going to have another segment with Ralph. We're going to continue this conversation just right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Thank you so much for joining us in here in the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray again, here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have uh, with us um, in studio Kim Miller and Mark Griffith. And on the phone with us, we are so thankful to have uh, Ralph DeFranco, who is the uh, global chief economist for Arch Capital Services and the author of Arch MI's uh, Housing and Mar uh, Mortgage Market Review, uh, better known as The Hammer. Um, you can touch this, and we do have it on thehousinghour.com for your review. It just came out today, so we're excited to have him here. Um, and, uh, Ralph, we were talking a little bit off air a little about um, some of the other countries that are involved. And China's a big one. It's sort of the elephant in the room. Um, China owns a lot of our, um, our debt, basically. And so they are very important to the future, I think, of the economy. But you can certainly look over the past and see how their importance is there as well. So can you elaborate? How do they affect our rates? Just real quick. Well, uh, gladly. So, so the world is, is very interconnected, like it or not. So they have uh, a lot of money that we've, for, for the things that we've, we've purchased from them. And they, they have taken a lot of that and bought U.S. government bonds or mortgage-backed securities with that money. And part of that reason is to, to keep the exchange rate favorable, uh, keep their exchange rate low, but because they, they, if they just if they bought things with it uh, from say Europe, that would uh, then their exchange rate would have risen and it would have been harder for them to sell exports to us. So they wanted to buy some like, financial assets in the U.S. to keep their exchange rate uh, favorable for themselves. So anyway, they own a lot of our debt. It's in. They're not going to. My, my opinion is they're not. That's not really that dangerous because it's not in their interest to rock the boat. So. Uh, they will move slowly if they uh, ever ever want to scale that back. But in any case, what it means is that uh, we have lower interest rates than we would have if we just had closed borders and just relied on U.S. savers to fund uh, to fund things. So because the Ch Chinese are heavy savers, they don't have a social security system like we do. They uh, they're, they're a lot of people over there save 25% or even 30% of their income, and some of that money is finding its way here, and that translates to lower interest rates. The amount of money that we were spending, the Treasury, on purchasing mortgage-backed securities was um, astronomical. On what It was unbelievable how much money it was. And so they have scaled that now to zero, I suppose, right? We're not spending any more money. 
Um, has the buyer of the mortgage-backed security re re been replaced sufficient to have a normal, um, you know, mortgage-backed market going forward? Yes. So, so, so for listeners, basically part of the reason interest rates are low is because when you make a mortgage, it gets taken usually to Freddie or Fannie or FHA uh, or VA, and they turn it into a bond, and that bond uh, – uh, the price on that bond really helps determine mortgage rates, and so the demand for those bonds is important. What's happened is the Federal Reserve has, has filled some of the void. So they have been uh, buying quite a bit of um, mortgage-backed securities, and that's helped, that's helped uh, keep interest rates lower uh, for longer than, than I would have expected. And so what really we hope is that it has a healthy market and that the supply is good for these mortgage-backed securities, and so that rates, although they might not be in the threes, but I think a healthy market going forward, I'm not even going to, you know, estimate what they right. would be, but, you know, a healthy mar market going forward. And so let's let's transition a little bit with our remaining time and talk about um, housing supply. Um, I think that an important thing for people to realize, there's a couple of things that are going here. Obviously, the supply is important to the demand, because if you don't have the supply, then people aren't going to demand because there's not the right um, inventory that's out there. So, you know, a lot of the purchases that we're seeing right now are coming in way of, you know, a variety of things. First time home buyers, people with large down payments, you know, certainly those cash buyers are out there as well. But what's your thought on the, the housing supply and what is going to affect that? Okay, so the U.S. and including Tennessee has a housing shortage. We have uh, a need for somewhere between a million and a million and a half new households, uh, new homes each year, and we've been building less than half that for the last, last five or six years. So we're, we're undersupplied. There, it's still not caught up, even though you look around uh, the straight country and you'll see apartment buildings going up, downtowns everywhere. It's still not enough, they're, they're, and uh, both for apartments and for houses, single-family houses, the builders are having difficulty uh, for, for a variety of reasons building them at an entry-level price point. And mm -hmm. so they, they, they have focused instead on higher-value uh, individuals, and that is making problems worse for, for, the, for the typical first-time home buyer. So, so if you actually look, even though prices are up, uh, you know, say 10% in Nashville, over the last year, they're probably at more than 15% in the, the lowest price range. And so what we're seeing, is because there just isn't, there's like no construction in the, uh, or very limited construction, I should say, for first time for the, for the smaller homes the first, in, in the, the lower price points. And so that, the, uh, what, where, where is that coming from? Well, the, the, there's a lot of problems uh, besides just trying to get um, lots close into where people want to be. The, uh, there's higher fees higher hookup uh, fees, there's higher, uh, tougher regulations around building homes than there was five, ten years ago. And so it's, it's harder for them to build at a price point that, uh, that works for a first-time home buyer. But, uh, Ralph, I have a question going back to, to that. With new construction, fills a certain percentage of it, but what we're seeing also is a lack of existing housing stock coming back well, and supplying right. the market. How does that affect it, and why is that so low? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I wish I knew the, the full answer to that. Certainly, there's a few factors uh, that that I could speak to. One, one is the 
average turnover rate has gone way down, so most, most people are moving less often, so they're, they're less uh, switching up from, from their existing house, but that doesn't really add to the total supply. It just, move, it just means more, because uh, you usually, you know, if you already own a house and you want to switch, you sell one house and you buy another. Well, that's harder to do now because uh, certainly like in some, uh, a lot of cities, it's, uh, it's risky to sell your home and not have the next one lined up because it's so hard to find a home. So we're in this sort of weird equilibrium where you don't really want to try doing that uh, upgrade because uh, you, you don't want to sell your house before, the other ones, uh, before you bought the other one, but nobody really wants to buy a home contingent on you selling yours. Right, right. So there's sort, sort, sort of a, a, a reason to stay put. Now, I, I also live in California where the property taxes don't change or they, they move very uh, – they only go up slightly as long as you don't sell your house, as long as you stay in it. So it's really uh, advantageous to stay put. Uh, and so, uh, you know, why why there's uh, less of it? It's also – in some, some cities there's um, – there's still homes that are underwater, so you can't really sell your home if you can't get enough to pay off that mortgage. You just have to wait it out for home prices to continue to rise. Well, and I, I wanted to think, you know, most people right now that are out there, there were so many people that were disillusioned back in 2008, 2009, and their houses, their homes just sat there, just sat there, just sat there. And we're in a different environment right now. You just talked about it. It's just the, the shortage is enormous. There's a huge hole to fill. And I think that, you know, even in the fall, I think what we're going to see is that we're going to see, and this is just my opinion, I'm going to get your opinion in the next segment in our final few minutes that we have with you, but I think we're um, going to have a very healthy housing market this fall, maybe more than uh, than we have had in the past because of the pent-up demand. I think that there's a lot of um, potential there. Um, but I had a quick question for you in the remaining moments of this segment, and we only have about a minute left, but based upon what you see, which candidate would be best for our economy? <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm just kidding. Um, but in all seriousness, when we get back from this break, we are going to ask you the question, the important question, which is, what do you see in the near future? What is the, how does the future look for housing? And I want you to be able to answer that. So that's what's going to come up. We only have one segment left with uh, uh, with Ralph, and he has been so generous with his time, and Kim as well. We want to thank her so much for, for um, recommending Ralph. He's been fantastic, and we hope that you've enjoyed this time that we've had to spend with him. It seems like it goes by so fast. It does. It's unbelievable. And, but you can go back on thehousinghour.com and listen to this show over and over and over again. You can put it on a loop. If you'd like, get yourself some coffee. You just sit there, do your work, and listen to Ralph. Mark and myself talk about the economy with Kim's one or two words that she said. It, it's wonderful. So we're going to continue right after these messages right here on the Housing Hour. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes. 
Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is again Kevin Ray, your host, here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great show. Um, thank you to Dave for uh, spinning the records in there for us. We have with us um, Ralph DeFranco. He is the Global G Chief Economist for Arch Capital Services. Ralph is also a PhD. Um, he uh, definitely knows what he's talking about. He's been very helpful uh, to me personally, and I, I love the content, as Kim said. It's great information. We love hearing from you. Um, and we'd like to ask you a last question. Have you enjoyed your time with us today, by the way? Well, of course. Good. Well, I'm glad. Um, we did have a final question for you, and, and please take as time, much time as you want, as long as it doesn't go over th three minutes. Um, in regards to housing, what do you kind of see what the immediate future of the industry is? And as we move into the next year, what should mortgage originators out there be prepared for? Sure, uh, gladly. So uh, we're going to move from a refi-focused market more towards purchase. Unfortunately, that means lower origination volumes. And that w once interest rates start to move up, uh, basically every economist out there from economy.com to all the major firms are basically predicting higher rates next year and then higher still uh, the year after that. So uh, rates are 3.5% on 30-year fixed for today. Average for next year might be more like 4%. The average for 2018 might be more like 5%. So that's going to that's gonna hurt the refinance market. But Not for people that are at 6.5. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, they, they, sh they should really move now because 3.5 is a much better thing to refinance than, right. than a 4 and 4 and a half. So, so uh, overall, the U.S. will probably continue to have uh, not suit, not stellar, but but okay economic growth, and that's going to create enough jobs to really continue to fuel more demand than there is supply in housing. So, for me, what I see is the next, for, you know, foreseeable future, several years at least, home prices going up far faster than incomes, and so homes will become much less affordable uh, years from now than they are today. And it, it's almost certain that the return on housing is higher than on other things you can buy. So if you're just, you know, if you got the money, it's sitting there in stocks or bonds, and you would think I'm about buying a house, but you're not doing it, I, I would uh, recommend you look harder at it because the uh, it is a good time to buy a home. And what we're seeing is more first-time home buyers coming into the market. So the... Um, and, and we are seeing construction uh, ramp up. So, so construction on single-family homes in the first six months of, of this year were 20% higher than they were the year before. And that trend is going to continue. So it's going to be up 10 or 20% every year for the next three or four or five years because the, uh, there, there, there's just not enough homes on, uh, out there well, for people to live in. Yeah, and that's so crucial, and I want people to realize this because if you have thought about selling your home, good time to do it because the interest rates are low, the um, supply is low, um, people want quality built, quality homes that are in your area, so think about it seriously, and go to MIGonline.com, contact one of our loan officers, we can help you, help connect you with the right realtor. Um, now, another trend, I mean, you know, you talked about the black swan events. And, you know, the trend of black swan events has went up really high. So that there has to be the knowledge out there for people that we don't know what's going to happen. There could be some sort of event that would affect the global market that could change what your numbers might say right now. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? 
Absolutely. Well, the only thing that's certain is that things continue to change. So yeah. there's, uh, there's, there's risk in any investment or any asset, but, uh, you know, the fundamentals look strong for me on housing. So assuming uh, we don't get into some, some major war or major uh, economic downturn, Mm-hmm. then housing's the place to be. So think about who you vote for is what you're saying. <laughs> hey, Ralph, thank you so much for joining us. We are so grateful, thankful to Kim, Mark, Dave, our producer. I really appreciate that. I want our listeners to go to thehousinghour.com and get their hammer report right now. It's hammer time on The Housing Hour. Again, thank you so much. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know. So come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.